At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So I guess my question is like, how much do I need to retire? I know that's like a weird question. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Financial's Future Rich Podcast. My name is Barbara Ginty and I am your host. I am also a CFP for any of our new listeners that is a certified financial planner. And I am here today with my guest, Foxy Moneybags. Hello. Hello, Barbara. Thanks for having me on. Yes. Welcome to the show. Um, would you like to explain your name a little? I always love when we have a fun name. We've had a lot of like regular names. So it's always fun when we have a creative one. Yes, yes. So this is actually thanks to my friends. We all brainstormed this together. And um, it's from 30 Rock. At one point in there, Jack asks Liz Lemon, like, where do you, why don't you, um, or he asks, like, where do you get your information about finances or something like that? Is it CNNBC or something like that? And she goes, no, I get it from PBS. And then it cuts to this picture, this, um, shot of her shouting at the screen um at like a Dora Explorer like <laughs> like show and fo- like the main character's name is Foxy Moneybags and it's like do you want to invest in real estate or tech stocks and Liz Lemon screams tech stocks money Foxy Moneybags tech stocks so <laughs> I am the Dora Explorer like animated character today <laughs> I love it I love it it's always fun when we have a, a good uh character um, so Foxy Moneybags, fill me in, uh, age, location, job, all of, all of that jazz. Sure thing. So I'm 25 years old. I'm in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, so I'm single, but living with a partner. And I am in the, I'm in a transition of jobs. So it's a little complicated, okay. For the last couple of years, I've been a combination of a nanny and um, an administrative assistant at a tax firm. Oh, wow. So I've been working um, maybe like 55 to 60 hours a week between these two roles, um, making about uh, like a base of 45 a year, but maybe closer to like 47, 48. Okay. and I just signed a contract like last week for a new role that I start in two weeks. And um, my, my base salary is jumping to 60. Oh, great. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> and, um, and it's non-exempt, so I get overtime. 
um, and there are also bonuses. Perfect. And what's the new role? So that's also an administrative assistant position, but it's at an investment banking firm. Oh, I'm going to have to ask you offline which one. I'm curious. That's oh, yeah. Background. I'll definitely um, tell you. <laughs> okay. We won't say it on the, on the show, so you can stay anonymous. Um, okay, great. So, yeah. So then if it's an investment banking firm, there should definitely be um, bonuses. And that's great that you get overtime because usually with uh, those firms, you work long hours. Exactly. So it's, and your base hours is going to be 40 or is it 50? It's 40. Perfect. Okay, that's fantastic. So then compared to what you were doing, you have less hours technically. And if you work more, then you'll get paid for them. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Okay. So you were um, very organized and sent over a spreadsheet. So would you like, do you have it up? Would you like to talk, talk us through it? Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I'm going to be honest. I um, was inspired to do this from listening to your podcast. So oh, good. Um, this is newer, but basically I have a goals page talking about, you know, I want my six month emergency fund. Um, yes. I have my goal amount. I have my current and how much I need. And so like right now I have 5,000 in my emergency fund. So that's about three months. Perfect. Um, I have like a small goal for like, you know, either starting a dep- a deposit for a house or maybe a wedding in the future. Nothing is set in stone. Oh, okay. Um, but that's just kind of like a, this is just um, a little dream amount. I'd like to get ready to start that. And then I just have um, some other ideas. So I have it broken down. I don't know if you can see, I have like my yes. goals and then my new goals. <laughs> um, okay. So going through your spreadsheet, you have for, your emergency fund, approximately 11000 which will get you up to the six months. And then for the house and wedding, about 15000 for you know either or. And then saving for retirement, which I think is a great goal, um, will be 100000 And that will be, we'll go over your benefits with work um, and see how that can help you. And then it looks like a fire goal here. So retire early with a goal of saving 800000 Yeah. So my thought there is, you know, I don't, I'm so new to fire. I don't really know how it works. I think thinking of it as like an optional working time in my life might be nice or just, you know, I would love to not be working a nine to five forever. I'm also an actor like by trade. Okay. It would be nice to like in my forties and fifties act (laughs) instead of, (laughs) and like just have a little bit of extra cushion. I don't know. So it's soft, but I feel like it's a goal that isn't harmful to have. I 100% agree. And I'm always an advocate for saving more in your 20s and 30s and stocking away the money as much as you can. Um, The way I look at it, or at least the way I um, think about it is I stocked away a ton of money in my 20s because to me it was like, well, I couldn't really afford anything or that much anyway. So like what was, you know, drinking a little bit more two buck chuck, right? It was like, I wasn't going to be able to really go out, you know, I could go out and afford one drink or maybe two drinks. I'd rather just, you know, just stay at an apartment and drink that or just do happy hours. So because when you're young, you have that compounding of interest working for you. So the more you can save when you're younger, the more it'll help you when you're older. And then it gives you that flexibility down the road. Right, right. 
So, cause you know, I'm all about how many doubles we can get you. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay. And then, so those are your goals. Um, and those are the new goals. And then if we look at your budget, do you want to do the new budget or the regular budget? Let's look at the new one. So okay. Cause that's have... for the new job, right? Correct. Perfect. So um, I have this, um, out in like my essentials, which calculates, um, because it's Excel, it like then calculates what my six months is that I need. Um, perfect. So I have my, my essentials that are fixed and unfixed. I have my non-essentials. Um, and then I have my pre-tax costs all laid out perfect. here. And because I don't actually know what my net income is going to be, I did some calculations. So I took 60000 and then I took, I um, subtracted like a year's worth of the pre-tax benefits. Perfect. Um, and then I multiplied that number by 0.72 to just kind of give it some like tax. Yeah. Um, so I think my paychecks are going to be about 1500, 1550. Um, but then I get 26 a year. So I get like two extra that I can do whatever with. Yep. So you get, yeah, you get 26 pay periods versus getting paid on the, like the first or the 15th or the 15th and 30th, which is 24 paychecks. Exactly. So I can like use that money to either like dump that in my savings or maybe that'll go towards wedding or maybe it'll be like pay myself half and like save the other half. So I, I'm open to whatever for that as well. Perfect. Okay. So it looks like when we talk about your expenses, so the fixed cost, meaning they don't change monthly, your rent is $850. Um, what's a tech fee? So it's like, it. it's my internet. Um, oh, but it okay. goes through my apartment complex. Oh, okay. So you just pay the apartment complex and then they have it all hooked up for you. Exactly. Perfect. Okay. So $23 and then joint bills, which I'm assuming is utilities and such is $240. Yeah. And so that's actually a weird thing that um, I, I'm actually, so I live with my partner of four years and we um, decided that we decided to get a dog <laughs> and then we also, have a car, we also have a car together. And so okay. in order to like cover all of our joint utilities, our dog costs and our car insurance and car costs, we just throw this amount in every month. And so it, we don't spend that much every month, but it's created like a second savings for us. So we have like Perfect. maybe $900 from the last year that just like we didn't use. So it's kind of like a savings yeah, well, and that's perfect yeah. in case there's a problem with the car or with the dog, then you have a cushion there. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I would totally continue to do that and just leave that extra money in there as a little emergency fund for those two items. Perfect. Because that bill can be expensive. Yeah, but you know what? Oh my gosh, pro tip, we have dog insurance. And oh. twice this year, we had major issues where he had to go to the emergency room. And both times, um, once we hit our deductible which i think was 250 they've covered 100 percent of everything oh that's fantastic and what what's the name of the pet insurance it's nationwide nice okay perfect and yeah. is that in included in that 240 a month it is pet insurance? Yeah. perfect okay great um well that helps uh, eliminate any major um unexpected vet bills exactly and then um, for obviously variable cost or um, non-fixed cost would be gas. You have $50. Um, 
student loans 300 groceries 300 and then miscellaneous 100 yeah and my student loans right now um you know i'm on forbearance because of because um, everyone is because <laughs> everyone is yeah and minor yeah. minor federal and i've never had issues with like paying them so i'm um like i know sometimes people have issues like getting the number down but like mine yep. i keep seeing it go down so it's it's not too bad perfect and do you know when with that 300 dollars a month payment when they'll be paid off well Does so the say? total is 2400 um and then if we divide that by and your interest rates are all pretty fairly reasonable. Sometimes we see them up like six, seven percent. Yours are uh, between 3.76 and the highest one is 4.66. Yeah. Yeah. So if I pay this amount, they'll be done in eight years. Obviously sooner would be better, but I know that investing might give me more money in the Mm -hmm. future than paying these off sooner. So I'm not sure. Yeah. So I think what we'll do is we'll go through, um, We'll finish going through your budget and we'll see what works best. But are you making the payments now while they're in forbearance? No, I'm not. I've been using that money to build my emergency fund. Okay. All right. Perfect. Um, so, so it looks like you have down after all of your monthly living expenses, which come to, we'll just call it, give or take about 3200 a month, you'll have about um, 1200 left over after expenses yeah so if you if you're getting paid um every two weeks your paycheck we're estimating is going to be about three thousand right yeah so and then you should have three thousand extra annually because you should be getting 26 pay periods Mm -hmm. okay so when i add up your fixed and unfixed cost i get 1863 yeah, that's what I get as well. Okay, where where essentials? Okay, and then monthly living. What is that number from? So that's just what my paycheck would. What, oh, what got it. Month, what I would be getting. I think that's my estimated. Your estimate. Okay, that makes more sense. I was like, this doesn't add up. Okay, so your let's just round up and say your expenses monthly come to a because you know just in case you go over a little bit. $2,000 a month, and then you should be bringing in just over 3000 so 3100 a month, right? Mm-hmm. So then you'll have about 1100 left over. Yeah. If we did it on a monthly basis, you're going to be paid every two weeks, so you'll have that ex- two extra paychecks. But if we think about it as monthly numbers, yeah, you'll have the 3100 approximately. We'll see how it works out with taxes, but you should have about 1100 left over monthly so that we can use that for other goals. And that's including the $300 a month um, student loan payment. And then that number of 3,100 is including uh, contributing to the pre-tax transportation benefit at your new job, the 401k at your new job, and then having dental and vision and your new job pays 100% of your health insurance, which is great. It is great, yeah. Yeah, and it's a good plan too. Oh, it's great. It's beautiful. <laughs> I looked it over and I was like, I want this plan. I know. I feel so spoiled. It's so great. <laughs> it's Yeah, and it's great that you recognized how good the benefits are. I feel like some people overlook the benefits, you know, that the employers um, offer, but there's a lot of value that they that, that provides. Yeah, um, well, and they're going to be paying for my phone and my gym membership, which is like $150 extra a month for me. So. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's great. <laughs> yeah, a lot of savings. Um, coming from, you know, 
you know, putting two jobs together where you probably didn't have those, that type of benefit. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So if we have a, so let's just say then in theory, we have the, we basically have 1100 extra a month to work with towards Mm -hmm. figuring out what, where we're going to divvy up these goals here. Mm -hmm. And you have it down that you're putting $300 a month or every pay period, 150 per pay period into the 401k. Um, which that's per month per month. Okay. 150 per month. So my, I think my company matches, is that what profit sharing is? So profit sharing is a little bit different than a match. It's still good. It just means that depending on how profitable the company is, they're going to contribute a portion of the profits into your 401k. Okay. Okay. So I don't know what to expect, basically. So we don't know what to expect. Um, so it could be good if they have a good year. And if there's a bad year, they could put in a little bit less. Okay. Um, so a match is basically usually um, a percentage, just to keep it e- easy to understand, of what you're contributing. So, or a percentage of your salary, one or the other. Mm-hmm. So let's just say they're going to do, you know, they contribute up to 5% of your salary. That would be the cap. That means they would put in $3,000 as long as you participate it. There's all different ways to do the match, but we'll just, just make that as the example. So with the profit sharing match, so if we're looking at your benefits, um, they describe it. Let's go up here. We've got a lot of great benefits here at this company. And See when we get to the 401k, page 20, it's all the way at the end. (laughs) (laughs) So the contribution is 3% of total compensation for non-highly compensated employees. So those that earn under $125,000 for the previous year in the form of a safe harbor contribution. Let's see. So I think what you have with your, and that's all the way at the end. I just wanted to see. They give you a lot of reading material here. Oh, they sure do. I've been a little confused. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you have a 401k deferred compensation plan. So typically, so employee contributions, meaning your money are voluntary. The profit sharing are contributions that are going to be made into your account by the firm. So the profit sharing contributions are going to be made in um, September um, and October for the prior calendar year. And the structure depends on the classification of the employee. So you'll be a non-highly compensated employee. So that means that they're going to contribute 3% of your W-2 total compensation. So it looks like then you're going to be getting 1800 into your 401k from the company and, and they'll be I doing it. I don't have to put anything in there for them to match that. Correct. Correct. So it's not a match. It's a profit sharing contribution. Great. So, um, you don't have to put anything in there. They're going to be putting, that's their, what they're going to be putting in based on your employee classification. Mm, I see. Awesome. Which is great. Yeah, that's great. And the nice thing, because this is a profit sharing and not a match, the contributions are immediately vested. Yes. Yes. Which is lovely. So that means the second they put that money in, it's yours versus, you know, traditionally when it's a match, there's a vesting schedule. Meaning if you leave before the money vests, then you have to give it back or they take it back really. 
That's great. Then I'm not sure. I mean, depending on how you feel, if I'm like maxing out my Roth IRA, which we'll get to, I'm sure, I'm not sure if that 401k money, I should keep putting that in there because I originally calculated trying to get a match. So I was putting Mm -hmm. in 3% versus maybe taking that money and putting it into another vehicle that I could get earlier in life, um, depending thirty six hundred. So this will mean that you'll be putting it with what you're currently doing. Uh, you calculated the three percent. They're going to do three percent. So thirty six hundred will go in. So I also like the Roth. The way I like to do it, because um, there's no perfect solution. Because let's see, let's see where you're going to fall tax wise here. I think you're going to end up being in the 22% bracket because you're filing single and your base salary is going to be 60,000. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll, that'll put you to about a 22% bracket. Let's see. Cause we have 1100 to play with. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost kind of thinking if we just split this up a little. Yeah. So on the next page. So this is kind of a fun thing. The savings new one. I was breaking down kind of where the money would go. Um, and then I have calculations to show, like, depending on the interest, how much it would be in 1, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, Perfect. To give myself a look at this. So, like, currently I'm looking at, you know, if if the market's bringing back 7.2%, I know that's the number that it would double every 10 yep, years. Yep, exactly. Um, then I would be retiring, I think, at 65 with $2 million. Um, that's a great number. Yeah, yeah. But my question, I guess, is instead of me putting 150 a month in my 401k, since you know I'm getting this this 401k profit sharing, yeah, um, and I'm maxing out my Roth IRA, should I be putting that 150 a month into like a wealth building investment to maybe retire early? So I like the idea of how you have it split up now. So, cause here, cause once the emergency fund you're going to have done, cause you already have, uh, let me go back. You already have in your, you currently have 5,000 in your emergency fund. Um, yes, I do. Okay. And we're trying to get that up to 11,000. Correct. Okay. So with the emergency fund, we need another 11, um, another 6,000 so that you'll get done in about 20 months, because then once the emergency fund is done, remember we have it, then that money goes back into your budget. Yeah. Well, maybe even sooner if I'm getting an extra 3000 a year from those paychecks. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So here's what I do. I like how you have it structured now because I was going to split it up. So what we're going to, what you have it down now with the extra money, I just want to see. And I like the idea of matching, maxing out your Roth. Mm Mm-hmm. So this gets you to 1,000. Well, actually, no, because you have the Fidelity 401k in there, but that already was included. You know, that was, um, is taken out before you get your paycheck, right? So Mm -hmm. what you have here works out to be 900 and you actually have 1,100 to play with. Yeah. So let's change that to 1,100. So I have 200 more to put in here. Yep. You have 200 more to put in there. So here's, I like what you're doing. So we'll put of your 1100 and even if you leave the 200 as like buffer room maybe you go out do something fun because we have a really strict budget um and then if you don't use it one month great you can put it somewhere else if you do use it then that's fine um so i like the idea of doing the emergency fund at 300 get that over with and get yourself even if you get yourself up to 10,000, that's a good number yeah yeah 
Then from there, I like the idea of maxing out the Roth, which is $500 a month. So you get that done. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of using another $100 a month for wealth building. And then from there, here's what I would do. I would either put $100 on principal on your student loans. Mm, okay. And then when you get done building your emergency fund, I think you would be really well served to put half of that money and double your 401k match or your 401k contribution. Okay. So you'd take half of that emergency fund and put that towards the 401k. Yep. Because then between, so then you're saving of your own money, $300, right? Pre-tax into your 401k. The company's giving you 150. So that's 450. And then you're saving on your own, 500 for the Roth. So then your total dollars is 950 a month that you're saving yeah, so into that retirement. Would, that would bring me closer to like two and a half million. Yep. So I guess my question is like, how much do I need to retire? I know that's like a weird question. <laughs> no, it's not a weird question. It's just a hard question to answer because there's no perfect answer because everyone's number is so different. And, you know, I do this for my day job. Um, mm-hmm. So for all the listeners listening, today is Saturday. I, I do the, like, the podcast on nights and weekends. But in my day job, I get asked that question all the time. And it's really hard to know a correct answer. Mm-hmm. The way to, a, a good way to, because we don't know what thing, right? We're going to have inflation, right? So you're going to, let's say you retire in 40 years. So obviously there's going to be inflation, meaning the purchasing power of your dollar um, is going to be, you know, diminished. So what something a dollar buys you today for cost of goods and services isn't going to buy you the same goods and services in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think a really powerful example is I just went to go visit my uncle Jack in Florida and he bought his house, you know, 40 years ago, he just sold it and he bought it for $38,000, I think was the number. And he sold it for like 600,000 something. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, you could buy a house for like a very reasonable amount of money. So with that being said, if we're and that's why investing in the market is a great place to put put your money. Right. So let's say inflation is working out to be, you know, over the last I think it's over the last 30 years, about three to four percent. And we'll see what it is going you know, in the future. We don't know. But if we use that number, if your money's earning seven percent, you're staying ahead of inflation. Right. Which is Mm -hmm. the key. So a couple ways you can figure it is you obviously want to stay ahead of inflation. You also want to come up with a number um, that you're com- you think you'd be comfortable living on. Right, right. So if we took, and some people really think this rule is outdated and, you know, I'm sure to an extent it is, but it's a good, I think it's a good rule of thumb. You can use it as a benchmark. If you had two and a half million and let's say you pulled the, the old rule was 4%. So let's just say you pulled 6% out of that investment. That would pull out $150,000 a year without touching, you know, probably maybe touching principal a little bit, but hopefully not touching a ton of principal. That would pull out $150,000 a year, which would probably be a comfortable amount for retirement. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, hopefully you've neutralized your housing costs or you're just paying for utilities, right? You don't have rent or a mortgage at that point in the future. Mm-hmm. Um but here's the the answer, I think. The more you save, the better off you'll be. And as you get closer to retirement and doing kind of, you have a fantastic spreadsheet. 
because um, we haven't even gotten through all the tabs yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the more you save, nobody has ever said to me, oh, I've saved too much for retirement. Like it hasn't happened yet in my career where right. someone says, you know, I wish I didn't save as much money. Yeah. Um, so, so I think save. Sorry. Go ahead. Are you suggesting that once I get to retirement, I actually invest that money and live off of the interest, the gains? Yep. So typically once you're in retirement, you live off of the return on your investments. So typically when you first retire, let's say you retire at age 60 um, and your accounts are earning, you know, ideally they're earning somewhere because you're going to be more conservative with your investments when you're retired, right? You're not going to be as aggressive. So let's just say they're earning somewhere between four and 5% a year and then, you know, or 6% a year. And then you pull the gains off of those investments and then you can use that to live on, mm. you know, ideally social security is also around, but you know, hopefully, and then you would live off of that. And then normally you can start touching principal, meaning the, the core amount, right? So rather than just living off of the return that the investments generate, you could actually pull from the investments themselves, meaning that you're spending down the money. Mm. But normally when you first start retirement, you don't want to be touching that principal amount. The, you know, you want to just be living off of the, the return, the investment returns. Oh, I see. I'll be living. Does that make pretty, sense? Yeah, I'll be living a pretty life by yeah. retirement if, if I can do you that. Really? Yeah. So I think that you're totally on the right track, and like it's hard to know what the exact number is going to be, but a good way, you know, to to do it is just to have a good savings ratio, and then keep tweaking the number as you we know what taxes are going to be, what we know when we get closer to knowing what your cost of living is going to be, right? So mm-hmm. right now it's a little hard to have a a set number where we're going to be like, oh, that's perfect. That's the perfect number. And we know that's going to be the perfect number for the next 40 years, right? 40 years is a long time to plan out. Mm -hmm. So the better option is to say, okay, let's save a good percentage of your income now for the future. And we'll just keep reviewing the numbers on a regular basis to make sure that it's an appropriate number to get you to where you want to be. Got it. Got it. And so it's not a waste for me to have like a hundred a month in this wealth building. Um, No, not at all. Because you know, the, with the fire movement, it is good. The way I like to do it is I like to separate, separate out your regular retirement and then the like retire early aspect of it, or, you know, the non nine to five where you say, okay, I'm going to work part-time and, you know, be an actress the rest of the time. And I have enough money to, you know, now bridge myself and not have to work at a nine to five. So I don't like to jeopardize the retirement. I like to separate it out. So you save for the early retirement component, but you also continue to save for your traditional retirement. Yes. That way, if what, for every reason, if the, the fire aspect of it doesn't work out, you didn't jeopardize your permanent retirement. Perfect. Perfect. So I like the idea of still doing the wealth building account. Um, and I like the way that you have it structured now, but with the, if we get yourself up to, um, the 300 into for your pre-tax contribution into fidelity. So not, not 450, 450 would be with your employer match. So just 300 from your paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, once you dump down the, once you get your emergency fund built up, you'll have that extra 300 back in your budget. So if you take that extra 300, split it in half and put another 150 into your 401k, that gets your contribution up to, 300 with the employer match, it's 450. Then what you're putting into the Roth is 500. Then your monthly number is about 950. 
So you're doing almost 20% of your salary into retirement. And that's a great number to be at at 25. That's fantastic. Okay, good, good. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. It's hard because I'm like definitely living a lower like class of living than I want to, (laughs) but it feels worth it if this is what will happen. (laughs) Yeah, no, this is definitely what will happen. And so, and then with the other 150, once you get the emergency fund done, you could say, you know, once you could say, okay, I'm going to put it towards the wealth building, or maybe you say I'll put 50 towards the wealth building and I'm going to take the extra money and use it for something fun. Yes. Okay. Got it. Because once that emergency fund um, is built up and I would, I would really, I think 10,000 would be a very comfortable amount for you. Okay. Um, so just do another 5,000 in there and you'll have that done in just a little over a year. And then you get that three, 300 back, put 150 into the 401k and then do what you want with the other 150. Perfect. Wealth building, do you use it for something fun? Because then at that point you have a 20% savings ratio, um, and you're paying on your student. So then you're really hitting everything. So then from there, I would just see what feels comfortable, whether you want to put it in, if you have extra money left over at the end of the month, you could do wealth building, you could prepay principal on your loans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have Perfect. a lot of options. Perfect. Yeah. So for the student loans, yeah. So I have, it's broken down. Yeah. You saw the percentages and they're all fairly yeah. low, but I think if I'll start paying principal, I'll do the avalanche method. So I'll start with the yep. highest interest. Start with that 4.66. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And really hit that hard. Um, and I think that'll, that'll be good. Cause if I could get that done before the eight year mark, <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. And so, like you said, if you get a bonus, because mm-hmm. I, I really, you know, w- working in a, ba- a banking firm, you most likely will. Um, you could use that to tackle the student loans to get them done sooner, or you could put that in your wealth fund, but you're really tackling all the goals then. Got it. Got it. Okay. So I like using that extra money for either student loans or even my emergency fund or wealth building, kind of throw yeah. that money where it's needed. Exactly. Oh, awesome. Oh, great. I feel so good. Oh, good. <laughs> and then do we need to talk about bridesmaids oh that's just this next month <laughs> okay this is me just breaking down what's like happening in the next month not only did I get a new job but I'm also moving apartments and oh I'm gosh. a bridesmaid in June so like the next couple of months are really wild <laughs> well that so that's perfect that the student loans are on forbearance because then that you have that money you can use Oh, that's a good point. That'll, that'll feel good. I had saved, so I had saved a lot. I mean, not a lot, but like 3000 and I was calling it like my wedding slash house fund. And then we decided to move, which was a great decision for us. But, um, all that 3000 is going towards moving. So I feel like I took a step back. Um, but I'm so glad I had that money so I could move. So I'm trying not to beat myself up about it. Yeah, no, I think it's good because now, because you're, you're not doing a house or a wedding right now, so you can use that for moving and the bridesmaid. And then when you start this new job, which you're starting soon, I mean, that was a big jump up in base salary, and that's not including any bonus or overtime. So I think you'll be totally fine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, no, this feels good. And I also feel like, you know, I'm like, oh, what kind of money am I going to have to play with? But I, I like how we've really built it. Like, well, this is where you put the money first and then whatever's left. Um, yep, exactly. And don't beat yourself up over like if there's a month where it goes awry and doesn't work out perfect, that's totally fine. Like that's life, it happens. 
but you know, ultimately you have a plan and you do your best to stick to it. And then, you know, if you have a month where, you know, something comes up or it doesn't go the way it's planned, then just get right back on it next month. Great. If, if I do have a month where I'm like, ah, I'm down 200 or $300, like where should I take that money out of my savings? If I have, I to? would take it from your emergency fund if there's okay. a bad month. Great. Yeah. Cause you have a, you have a nice cushion there. Right. Right. Perfect. Oh, that's great. Well, wonderful. Do you have any other questions for me? Um, so I have like a very entrepreneurial mindset in my life sure. that I kind of fight against because I find myself like overworking if I, if I try to pick up side gigs. Do you know of like any side hustles that um, are like worth it in low time? I know like I've thought of like passive income and thinking about that and, you know, in the future, if I get a house, maybe renting out part of it. But do you know anything with like someone in my point in life that it would be worth it? Or do you feel like it's not really worth it since I'll be doing overtime at my job anyway? I think probably overtime at your job will be your biggest bang for your buck. Um, And especially figuring out how they do bonuses, right? Like if it getting a good review means you get a better bonus, I would, I would kind of see how you can leverage, it's, it sounds like a very good career opportunity for you. And and that's a little hard. And I had to make that decision because when I first started working on Wall Street, um, I took a waitressing job at night. The, the first, it really only worked out to be a, probably the first six months or eight months that I lived in New York City. And I remember my dad saying to me, you know, you're probably better off staying late at work and really working hard at your career job. And that long term, will have better earning potential than you picking up shifts at a wait, you know, waitressing. Um, and then like being too tired at work. Yeah. So I would say, cause you know, I'm all about a side hustle, but you also want to be strategic with your time. And if you're working at an investment banking firm where you could potentially get a $15,000 raise or $10,000 raise next year, mm-hmm. you know, if you're really like the top, top person, then that's probably your best use of time. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that being said, um, if you still feel like you need a side hustle, um, you're in a metro area. So I would say, and I had a bunch of friends who did this, who are, who's the one is a very successful attorney, but, you know, first got to New York, you know, wasn't making a ton of money and she would babysit still, you know, at night because the baby was asleep. So she just basically went over and watched TV for the most part. That's perfect. I'm already a nanny. So like, I'd have an in so easily. Yeah. So I would, you know, if you needed some side money, like if you got an easy gig where, you know, the parent was going to dinner and the baby's basically asleep and you just go over and watch TV, then it wouldn't be a very stressful, draining side hustle. You would, you know, bring a book. I know you said you love reading, so you could bring a book and just go read a book in someone else's house because for the most part, the baby stays asleep usually. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I would say that would be a good side hustle um, if you needed one that wouldn't be, if you did it even like once a month, uh, and, you know, since you're a nanny, I'm sure you could get a good hourly rate and, you know, read a book while you're there. Hopefully yeah, I would do like the, the late dinner. So the baby's asleep. Um, and, but I would also really look at, look into this, uh, when you start the new job, I would try and, um, figure out the lay of the land and see how do you move up? How do you get paid more? Because I think that that could be really great earning potential for you. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. I, I'm all about work-life balance, but I'm also like excited to like be a woman in the investing financials world and 
explore it because this is not what I studied. Um, so I feel like that will be a good use of my time. Um, and I'm excited for it. So that's good. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> Foxy money bags. Thank you for coming on the show. I hope you found this helpful. Yeah, thank you, Barbara. I feel a lot better. And I feel like I have a really solid plan. So this is good. Okay, wonderful. Um, and for all of our lovely listeners, you can check us out on our new website, uh, thefuturerichpodcast.com. We have our free classes there. Uh, we have one on student loans, which we talked about today. Our, um, we have one on social security, which we talked about a little bit today. And then our flagship class, which is Future Rich, uh, that was featured on CNBC. And then we also are starting to add uh, free downloads. So we talked about the Roth IRA today, and you can go to our website and download our free um, PDF all about Roths. And um, as always, to stay up to date on our information, you can follow us on Instagram. Thanks for joining. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.